Hey, what's know. up, everyone? Welcome, <laughs> welcome back to another episode of Bible and Banjo with Mike Alex and myself, Eric Reynolds. We are here to talk, laugh, have fun. We're we're really the epitome of what is it? Live, laugh, love. We yes. are, we are live, laugh, love. We yeah. are the the brotherhood of traveling beards. Boom. I like it. So what were you laughing about before we came on it? Like as we were coming on air, <laughs> I just, I just asked you about what the weather was like down in mask. And you looked at the temp and you said it was in the sixties. And he's like, man, we got to cut this short. Cause I, it's nice out. Cause I can have a cigar. It's not windy. It was windy yesterday. And I'm just laughing that that's how you define like good weather is whether or not it's good cigar weather. I, I, mean, I just, I, how, how, how do you define good weather? Uh, I'm comfortable outside. Not, you know, just I can spend time outside and not be miserable. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I get a I'm um texting my sister. She likes to watch the show live. My sister, my older sister, uh, but she for some reason doesn't get notifications anymore on Facebook. Um, so I just met it. so anyway. Sorry, sorry about that. That's just a quick aside. Um, nice, nice shirt you got it going on there, man. Thanks. How, how do you how do you get? First off, can I just say the logo for uh, our denomination is kind of lame. But secondly, where can I get one of those lame shirts? <laughs> I I don't know. This was given to me by uh, another pastor, former. He's an elder in my church, but he's not currently serving as a pastor because he Steve? lost weight. No. Oh. Uh, uh, but he was going through weight loss and was cleaning out his closet. And so he gave his fat polo shirt to fat pastor Mike. <laughs> uh, talking about being fat. Do you get like, uh, do you sweat? Do you, do you sweat when other people aren't sweating? I think no, still, I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not that. Kind of, no, okay. I've never been a big sweater, like sweat through okay. clothing. I glisten. Uh, I glow. Wow. That you sound like, uh, never mind. I'm not gonna say what you sound like. <laughs> so we we weren't on last week because you, do you want to tell everyone why we weren't live last why why we didn't have an episode last week? Uh, so they can judge me the way that you have. <laughs> I know. I even alluded to that this morning, didn't I? <laughs> Uh, um, you had a haircut. You had yeah. a haircut appointment. And, yeah. and the reason that's funny to me on multiple levels is, number one, there's not much out there to worry about. Uh, <laughs> <number> <laughs> I got a bald spot. Can you see the bald spot? <clears throat> uh, number two, you didn't even make the appointment yourself. This is true. This is true. Robin made uh, the appointment for me. <laughs> So she she also used to make my doctor's appointments too, um, but but now that we moved and I'm going to be using VA healthcare because it's so much cheaper, um, now I'm going to have to make my own appointments, which means I'll probably never see the doctor again, which isn't good because I my last doctor put me on high blood pressure uh, medicine, so I, uh, I I might need that or I could die. So I don't know, man. To live is Christ, to die is gain. So, yep, absolutely. <laughs> but it wasn't just that I had the hair appointment. Um, well, no, I, and you had, had, a, I had, you had an important meeting. You did have a valid, important meeting. Yeah. I don't know why you scheduled it for that time, but you did have a valid, important meeting that you had to go to as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, <clears throat> Mike, I'm starting to get some <laughs> feedback. Uh, feedback from you. I'm hearing your. I'm hearing me through you. Okay. Um, but one of the things, like, I only work two days a week at my new job. So I work Tuesdays and Thursdays. So that kind of narrows things down. But, like, also for other people who have, like, full-time jobs, they know that, oh, I only work two days a week plus I do school. So it's like that uh, school is really flexible. So I want to be as, a, like, flexible with other people as possible. So when other people say, hey, here's when I'm available, I go, okay, yeah, I can make that. So. As long as it's not Tuesdays and Thursdays. So, is that better, or are you still getting? That's better. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so which last week, I mean, would have been a great week for us to have an episode because there was uh, so much going on, you know. Oh, my um, gosh. Oh, everyone, yeah. everyone freaking out uh, about the Supreme Court decision about Roe v. Wade um, or it leaked, whatever. And there's so much to digest there regardless of, of your views on abortion. Um, and then – there's so much social media stuff going on too. Like, uh, like you pointed out this one, we met. So for those who are watching, uh, please appreciate what we're going to be talking about later because we spent probably an hour, uh, uh, talking we about actually, like, the series. yeah, we actually did yeah. show prep. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's that we hit our quota for the year <laughs> of great. show prep. So, so, you know, we put some stuff together and, and yeah, anyway, um, but you had mentioned like, oh, James White. And for those of you, he's, he's kind of like, uh, depending on your circle, uh, he's either a very revered, uh, apologist or he's not, uh, but m- most people who are kind of like in the apologetics world know who he is. Um, but he, dude, he's gone off the rails, man. I at one time appreciated what he, uh, what he has contributed, but uh, yeah, I looked up the the post that you said that he made about the books that are at Midwestern Seminary, the recommended books, and like, dude, the people that are upset about some of the books that are being recommended at a seminary library um, or bookstore, rather, is I really feel like people are telling on themselves that like they, they don't want to engage with other people. They don't want to engage in, in, in what I think is, is sound theological, biblical arguments and just grow from that. They would just rather be in their little silo in echo chamber. And that's the exact thing. I was like, people love their echo chamber because they love the sound of their own voice. And that's the only thing they can tolerate. Mm-hmm. And so when I, you know what, you may not agree with all the books and what's in the content of those books, but it's at a stinking seminary, a, a place of higher learning where you're supposed to expose yourself to all strains of thought so that you can grow either to argue against in- intelligently or to help you grow stronger in those areas where you need to grow. Yeah. Yeah. So that so, just, that, I mean, uh, if you, if you can't, <clears throat> Here, if you can't give a positive argument for those you disagree with, like their perspective, then you really have no business, uh, like engaging with them. So, like, if you can't articulate your the the opposing view in in a way that they can uh, say, yeah, that's what we believe, then then really you just need to shut up, you know, like, like you, you gotta, cause it shows you haven't really studied the topic. You've simply just, you're just mouthing or echoing what others have said. So, or, or have told you to think. So that's something I really learned a little bit when I did my brief stint in, in my PhD program is to appreciate others perspectives a, a greater deal, especially those I disagree with. So, and, 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 and that's what I would say is an argument for, and I know this is a, even a debate, a big debate amongst the greater world, but also in our own denomination, that is a benefit of having, uh, training at a instant, an institution mm-hmm. <laughs> with many minds and everything is because you're not just choosing, you're being exposed to more than just one frame of frame of right. view. Yeah, like I, I think about this. I'm gonna learn more from say a liberal professor than I would from a conservative professor if I'm firmly rooted in my perspective because uh, I will hear their arguments on something. So and, and I'm saying and I'm using liberal and conservative in regards to theology, not politics. So you know um, like like Boltman who is who's a professor at, at North Carolina. Um, I mean, he is a straight up heretic and he, he at one time was uh, was a conservative theologian, but, but moved out of that. But I read some of his works and I go, man, this mostly excerpts, but I go, man, I, I appreciate um, 
what he has to say, even though I disagree and it helps me understand his position better and it helps me more firmly um, understand what I believe. So maybe that's not for everybody. I don't know. Well, again, it goes back to, and it, and it only increased after, it only got worse, I'd say, after 2016 and then with the pandemic. Um, we are so afraid of disagreement or opposition or all these things that uh, we can't even entertain the, a hint or a whiff of something that doesn't quite fit our, our pre-thought-out pre, pre opinion. Yeah. You know, yeah. everything's a threat today. Everything's mm -hmm. a threat. Yeah. And I feel that in my own heart. And mm -hmm. it's very frustrating because I, I'm a very fearful, insecure person. And so I feel that fear that, but I'm kind of getting tired of being that way. And I wish everybody else would get tired of being that way mm -hmm. and stop being so, you know, fearful and defensive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which also brings to mind, Mike, have you ever considered like, is what would it take for you to protest something like to protest outside someone's house or place of business? Like what, what would it take? Cause I can't think of a, I can only think of one scenario in which I would have the desire to protest, but, I, but I'll wait to share that until you, you consider you, your perspective. I'm going to try to say this generally because I'm not even sure I can articulate it well, but if it had a direct threat on the safety of my family and or the community, especially physical, like being able to live threat on my family or close community. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that makes legit. sense. Yeah, I suppose. I, I, I suppose. But, but it would be very, but, but even that definition, I'd wrestle with whether or not the issue would take me. Yeah protesting but yeah yeah okay but especially you... outside someone's home i actually just had this conversation with my wife this morning i'm like i think it was my wife uh, and i said i don't care who it is especially mm -hmm. that if they work for the government stay away from their home go to their you know uh maybe their place of business I don't know. Depends on because they—that's where they work and represent. But leave them at home, alone at home. Don't make them feel threatened at home. Everybody, mm -hmm. everybody needs their safe space, right? I mean, yeah. So, so let their safe space be at home. Yeah, I, I listen. Uh, people want to make fun of safe spaces, but I think like everybody needs a place where they. You should always feel welcome. Actually, John Calvin had a quote regarding abortion that's been often cited, and he said. Um, I'm going to try and uh, I'm, I don't have this memorized, but it's something along the lines of, um, how safe a person should feel inside of their own home, even more so should they feel safe in the womb, which is their first home. And I thought, wow, that's so powerful. Right. Um, but it also demonstrates like abortion isn't just something that is a product of the 19th and 20th century. It's been going on for forever. So, um, yeah, I think the only time, man, I would probably consider, uh, you know, a, a a protest is if there was an opportunity to change the logo of the uh, Advent Christian General Conference, because um, I would be all about that. Like, something needs to happen here, because it looks like it's straight up from, like, 1994, made on, a, uh, on like, a first-generation Windows computer using... I don't know. So <laughs> I'm sorry. When's the next, when's the next triennial next year? I think, man, I, I, I would say what, what should happen is right now we should propose a committee to present three um, different logos to vote on at the next triennial. And we, mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we let the executive committee choose the three. So from here on out, everybody uh, that listens to this, submit new logos to uh, Justin Nash, and he will forward it to the executive committee, and the executive committee will choose their top three, vote on their top three to present at triennial, and then at triennial, uh, the denomination will vote on the new logo. 
Ah, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I think you're putting putting that task in the hands of people who are probably um, integral to the development of of said uh, <laughs> of said logo. Unless, how long has that thing been around? I, it's been. I think it's been around long enough that I think we can all recognize it needs an update. Because um, I want to look at some of my other. Eight, so I have all the AC works. Sorry, it's not near me. They're all on the other side, which is where my heresy shelf is. So I need to look at like some of the old AC works and see if they have the logo on them or not. Mm. But yeah. I, I commission uh, Josh Alves, M- Meredith Broadway, and um, shoot Jack Mumford to mm-hmm. all be all make strong submissions for this this call to. They're all they're like all artists. Yeah, yeah, they're they're all artists. They're, I'm even yeah. going to see if my wife would be willing to do that as well. Um, y- you know what we we should uh, we should ask Luke if his wife would be willing to do it. because uh, she did the logo for the sh- when we had a logo for Bible mm-hmm. and Bander. She she did that logo, which was which was pretty good. So I don't think uh, uh, you know I don't think it's going to take it doesn't take all that much to. Yeah. Update stuff like that. By the way, what is a foetus? Is that a Latin way of saying fetus? Foetus. Uh, are you talking about Bigford? Yeah, yeah. or oh, that could be an old English translation. So yeah. that could have been from a translation that uh, uses old English. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just surprised that Nathaniel quoted it in English and not Latin. That's that's because <laughs> 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 that's Bigford. <laughs> Uh, he, he he let he we appreciate that he's willing to uh to comment for the for the uh yeah <laughs> for the see, simple man he he uh dumbs it down for us yeah see yeah. he's he devolved it for us yeah wow thank you nathaniel <laughs> thank you for talking down to us we appreciate it <laughs> it was very helpful yeah so <clears throat> so uh funny story so when i was getting my hair cut last week um my barber or I mean, she's a hairdresser. Our whole family goes to the same person. I just like going there. And this is where I went prior to us moving to North Carolina. It's like, I can make an appointment. So just sitting in a sitting and waiting for a haircut for 45 minutes to two hours, which is one place I went to. Um, she asked her like, what kind of, what kind of hair, you know, what did I want her to do with my hair? Which is, there is no, question i've received my entire life that that like invokes more anxiety than when a barber asks me what i'd like to do with my hair so uh so she asked me i said well just you know high fade whatever she asked what about the top and i said well i don't know if it's shorter will that will that better go with my bald spot or will it go do 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 we go longer and she's like we'll keep it a little bit longer I said, okay, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. So I never know what to do with my hair, man. Where do you, do you, do you uh, go to a barber or does your wife cut your hair? I used to go, but I hate paying for haircuts. And therefore, I usually let it go too long between haircuts for my wife's viewing pleasure. Uh, so she has actually begun cutting my hair. Her viewing pleasure. I just have a picture <laughs> of you, like of you, of you sitting there, like striking a pose like this, and she just stares <laughs> at you all day. It's like, Mike, it's time. It's time for my viewing pleasure. And <laughs> and, and I don't know. I don't know if that's before or after you guys turn the Netflix on. So, <laughs> Which, by the way, we never got to chat about this. I sent you a tweet. About about that from another pastor who used it as well, not realizing what it meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister asked, uh, "Does she trim my beard uh, too?" Yeah, she does a little bit. So she's not as confident as my last barber was. Uh, so I've done a lot of the trimming, but she does a little bit. She does what she can. She tries. Well, if she would grow beard herself and practice, then she'd become more confident. Maybe I should suggest that to her. <laughs> and yeah. and my wife also trims my beard usually when I. Um, and every time she t- comments more and more about how many more gray hairs I have, like I never really notice how gray I'm going until she cuts my hair and I look at the clumps on the ground and see Man. how how light they become. 
is your wife uh is your wife Amber Heard? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> Occasionally, you bring up instances where I go, "Oh, that's cringe." Like, "Oh, hey, Mike, you are looking really old today, you dirt, <laughs> you, you old man." So and, uh, okay, so let me let me tell you. Hey, listen, it's time to get you a haircut because you are not satisfying my viewing pleasure. Yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, I, I will own that I'm lazy about going. Well, it's not just lazy. I'm sorry that we're not uh, financially blessed, or I'm financially blessed to be able to waste you know, money on a haircut every four weeks, but, and some of it is, it is laziness, but Erica enjoys doing it. So why would I, why would I take pleasure from her in, uh, in doing this service? But um, speaking of uh, things, the, uh, you know, the whole thing when your wife asks, like, how do I look in this? Or do I look bigger? Or this, that, the other thing. And you have to tread lightly and carefully and always, always up build and lift up your wife as the beauty. Mike, it's not, that, it's not that hard. I tell my wife no. every time exactly, exactly what I think. And exactly what I think is that she is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, she looks good in everything. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know why that's so hard for you. Yeah. No, I don't. It's not a struggle for me. But, you know, I just try to find unique ways to, like, say how beautiful she is. Mm. Um, but that, that to get to my greater point is a few weeks ago, I, I stood in the doorway to the bathroom while she's doing her makeup. And I said, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really think I'm starting to get big, like fatter. Like I, I'm starting to notice. And she just looks at me and I'm like, what? And she's like, well, I have noticed <laughs> that your stomach's getting bigger. Oh my goodness. Your wife is <laughs> My goodness. And I'm like, what? I would never say that to you. <laughs> That's brutal, man. Oh, man. No wonder. Wow. Wow. No wonder Mike is always so downtrodden. And, 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 and you know, it, it's you know she's once once you start you know gaining confidence and whatnot, Erica just like you know knocks the legs right out from under you. Well, it's yeah. I hey, listen. I know myself well. I know where I'm wrong, and people often confirm it. <laughs> I so, take it Erica's not not watching right now. No, she's not watching right <laughs> now. She my she and my youngest are at a play date. Uh, like with each other. No, with uh, oh. another young woman in our church and her daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's good. So, so that's why you're so you're you feel so comfortable uh, sharing all of these dark <laughs> details about your marriage and how yep. how verbally yep. abusive Erica has told you. <laughs> she has yet to poop on our bed, though. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. I cannot believe you just went there. <laughs> I was thinking about saying something along those lines, but I thought, ah, oh, that's probably crossing the line, man. Um, <laughs> but nope, you went there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, yep. I have lots of other ways, uh, lots of ways to go down that road, but yeah. I'm not going to. Oh, so wow. Just... <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Mike, that's brutal, man. Yeah, you know, she, I know she loves me, all of me. <laughs> every and her love, her love is growing. Every 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 love handle. <laughs> exactly. Every and her love for me grows as I grow. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to get fat. So, uh, <laughs> so, 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 yeah. Oh wow! Mm. Yeah. Well, that's uh. Yeah, I don't know how we come back from this one, bud. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else going on? Anything? Anything? Uh. No. Okay. So you know, the, so the gospel, and I'm probably the only one, but so the gospel coalition has started this good faith debates trying to show examples of how Christians can debate difficult subjects that are hot topics in the church. Mm -hmm. And they've come out with two so far, one on gun control. And today's release was uh, 
is uh, is woke church a stepping stone to theological compromise? And I'm halfway through that one, and I'll be honest, I'm enjoying them very much. And I've not seen any responses on Twitter yet about that, but I can imagine that uh, that will stir some kind of controversy. Oh, sure. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying the back and forth and and uh, the, the, just the respectful nature of it that you don't find. So is it two different authors? Yeah, so like the first one was a guy, the first one on gun control was Bob Foon, which I've seen his name and I think I've read his stuff before, but I don't know him. But then also the British guy, Pastor Andrew Wilson, mm -hmm. um, which was good. And today is uh, a guy I don't know, Sean DeMars, and then uh, Rebecca McLaughlin. Okay. Or McLaughlin. And uh, on the woke church thing. And so basically it's like a kind of a debate where the first person gets up and gives their spiel. Then the next person gives their spiel. They don't really interact with each other until they both sit down in chairs with a moderator that asks like clarifying questions and, and for response, which I think is better that way than just a full on, like you have, like after you give your initial thing, you have a five minute rebuttal and this, that, and the other thing. I like when that they, after the initial responses, then they treat it like a conversation. I'm sorry. I didn't listen to anything you just had to say after you mentioned, I think you said Rebecca McLaughlin, because now all I can think about is Sarah McLaughlin, the one who's, uh, you know, the, uh, the music artist. Mm -hmm. Will you remember me? You know, yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah, like with the with the poor dog commercials, like yeah. shivering out yeah. in the cold. That's all I can think about now. So, yep, you essentially ruined my day. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. That's what I'm here. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. 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 But anyway, we have actual important things to talk about. We do, Mike. Is it time for me to share my screen? Share it, bro. Boom. So, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about, or we kind of did an intro to the Trinity, and we had shared that uh, we thought it was a, an, an important topic for us to talk about because oftentimes when uh, Christians talk about the Trinity, uh, it really reveals more about what they don't know than what they do know. And there was a recent book that came out last year by a professor at Midwestern Seminary called Matthew Barrett. The book is uh, Simply Trinity. So I got it right here. And there, we actually gave them out. Um, so the church I just left was gracious enough and sponsored enough copies for all the those who were in attendance at the AC Leaders Conference back in, was it February? I think it might have been February. Um, yep, that's the one, Mike. So when Mike was on vacation, he read it. Some of it. And, yep. Um, and then I, I read, I've read it a couple of times. So I read it. Um, shortly after it came out, then I read it when I was pursuing um, a PhD in theological studies, and I was going to focus on the Trinity. Uh, and it's a great book. Um, it's really there are some challenges with it. Like, um, you know, if you if you read read through it slowly, it will be much easier than if you're just trying to plow through it. Um, Mike had a good point of like a. It would be a much stronger work if if there was like a glossary of terms in the back that you could keep referring to, uh, but unfortunately, that's not something that it has. But anyway, we think it's important, right, Mike? That like to understand the nature of God, and God is a triune God. He is uh, simple, meaning uh, meaning divine simplicity is the doctrine that um, there are no parts to God. Um, God is God. He's one, but he's also uh, three persons. And um, that can be a difficult concept for us to, to understand. But really, the, um, the understanding that, that God is triune has been foundational to the Christian faith really since the first century. So um, it is important for us to know. And, and Micah, I mean, there are some folks that, that we know of, at least in our denomination, that um, reject the idea of the Trinity, right? They, re they reject the, the doctrine. Uh, yeah, uh, they could care less. 
Oh, for... <laughs> this is the second time I think you said this to me today. This is the second time. You said this earlier when we, uh, when we had like our little pre-show meeting, and then you're, you're doing this to me now. Uh, do you know the amount of self-control it takes when I hear people say, I could care less, and I, and I really am trying not to be like a know-it-all. I'm trying not to be a jerk. I'm trying not to and, – and so I really just bite my tongue, and I, and I don't say anything. But the whole time I go, how can I take anything you have to say seriously when you say something as stupid as you could care less? That means you care. That means you, you might care a great deal. You might not care all that much, but it does mean that you could care less, which means the threshold for caring, um, you know, it could be less than what it currently is, but your current level of caring could be like 100%. It couldn't care less. You could not care any less. Anyway, Mike, thank you for derailing me. Well, I, I think it's good for you to get it off your chest in 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 a mode like this as well. So I wanted to give you a moment to flesh out your, your frustration. Yeah. Well, it's okay. It's Personally, okay. I could care less. <laughs> Dude. It's like, it's like, I said this on Facebook. It's, it's like hearing nails on a chalkboard. Like it just, it throws shivers down my spine. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Michael, I love you, man. Yeah, I I hope your wife keeps calling you fat and old. <laughs> oh, she will because <laughs> losing weight is hard. <laughs> uh, unless unless you have a gene that makes it easier to not put on weight. Oh, or you can get bigger genes. <laughs> That's the problem, buddy. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about the Trinity, Mike. Stop trying to derail this conversation. Um, that we need to get Luke back on the show. He does a really good job at, at mediating, I think. <laughs> you know, believe it or not, believe it or not, uh, Luke does a wonderful job with that. So anyway, uh, the Trinity. So we think it's important, and we're going to do a series on understanding the Trinity. So we're just going to go over a couple of slides and help like uh, flesh out some of the details. And along the way, share some, some biblical, theological, and historical reasons that we believe in the Trinity and why we believe it's accurate to, um, to the Word of God. So... Uh, Nathaniel says it's like hearing constantly hearing Eric constantly say like that's fair that's fair hey that is a fair criticism like I don't know what you mean I know exactly what he means now I'm going to be cognizant of that for the rest of the episode and like, really do my best to, to refrain from using the word like like for real Shut up, Mike. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's get to it. So we, when we're talking about the Trinity, so so there are three persons in the Trinity. Mike, who, who are those three persons? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Eric. Okay. Um, and uh, the Son is also known as AKA Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. AKA, what are some other names for Jesus the Christ? Uh, the Lily of the Valley. How about the word? Oh, the word. Okay. I, I mean, there's a lot of... Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit. Some refer to him as the Holy Ghost. Another pet peeve of mine is referring to the Holy Spirit as it. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person, not just a not a force. Um, so they are uh, three persons of the triune God, and we'll get into this in greater detail in the coming weeks as we start talking about um, how is it that the sun is sunned? How is it that the spirit is spirated or spirited? I think it's spirated, though. I think, I think, I think you're right. I think it's spirated or, or spirated. Yeah. Yeah. It, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, get we'll get confirmation from Bickford, the best okay. way to say it. Yeah, he he definitely knows for sure, and then he'll be able to like translate it into Latin, into Greek, and Hebrew, and, and all kinds of stuff. So, what what we want to do in talking about the Trinity is to avoid something called conflation, or really conflation is is fusing together or mixing together uh, one thought into another thought, and the the problem is that when we conflate the persons of the Trinity. It's it's 
I think it was, I was doing some, some reading earlier this morning, might have been Gregory uh, of Nazianus, who said that when you detract from one, you detract from all. So when you, so when you mix up the sun or you mix up the spirit or you seek to, to really um, downplay who they are, what they do, or get, the, get something significantly wrong about them, because of the the unity within the Godhead, you are are really putting a charge up against all of God, not just that one person. Does that does that make sense? Yep. So so if we conflate the Trinity, if we mix things together, what we're doing is we're really kind of creating a whole another God, a whole new God than the one that is revealed in the Scriptures. So it's kind of important for us. Um. Why, why don't you take it from here, Mike? I don't want to do all the talking. Well, no, no, you, you help with a better transition. <laughs> okay, how about this? Tell me, Mike, how does the gospel reveal the Trinity? Mike, you there? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> I, I, w- I just want to be careful. Okay. <laughs> That's all. I like to be careful when, yeah. with these things. So yeah. how I fr- how I frame this is going to be I- important. Um, in the gospel, the gospel reveals the Trinity in that we see the Trinity at work in how the gospel is applied to our lives. So the Father decrees it. The Son does it, so to speak, mm-hmm. secures it. And the spirit applies it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think that's good. So it's, so I'm trying to find the direct quote from. I think you said it was on 115. Is that where we're uh, Yeah, so. No, so the, the quote that I'm trying to think of. No, you're you're thinking you're not thinking the same same way that I am, but but essentially, when it comes to how, oh here we go. So Barrett writes to gain access to the throne of grace, one had to come to the Father. So so we're on a journey as Christians to the Father. I'm on page 104, Mike, mm-hmm. um, in the se- second paragraph. Okay. So. To gain access to the throne of grace, one had to come to the Father by believing in his only begotten Son, and that only happened if the Holy Spirit opened one's blind eyes to the Son's saving resurrection life. So the pathway to salvation, right? So so Jesus says that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says that to, to follow Jesus is to, is to be on a path to God the Father. And the way that you are that you gain entrance into or on that track, on that road in following Jesus is to first have your eyes and hearts opened to the saving grace uh, found in Christ. So th- that right there reveals the Trinity, the, tri- the triune work uh, of salvation. Another example, Mike, that that I think of is, is first off when we understand that God's triune, this is so important because when we read scripture, we can see God at work um, in how each person of the Trinity is working in them, how, how really it's um, what's it, what's his name? Uh, Adonis Vidu, who's a professor at Gordon Conwell. He actually, he recently published a book called, um, where is it? Uh, man, it's really good. It's on inseparable operations of the Trinity. And I can't... Oh, the same God who works all things. And uh, you can't see it from there. But but he talks about this in his book. How the, the, at, the work of a person in the Godhead, it, it's attributed to them the doctrine of attribution, it's attributed to them 
But because of the same essence, because of the unity, it's a work of the entire Godhead. So when when the spirit opens your, your heart and your eyes, that is absolutely a work of the Holy Spirit. But it is an absolutely work of, of all three persons uh, within the Godhead as well. So there... It, it, yeah, it, we'll we'll talk more about inseparable operations at, at, you know further down the line. But it's an important doctrine to keep to keep in mind as as we move forward. But another way that I think that we see this, Mike, is in creation, right? So if we go back to the creation account, we see that the Father is is creating. God is creating all the heavens and and all the earth. He's creating everything uh, under the under the sun, so to speak, or in the universe. And in creating, um, it is through the sun that all of creation is had. We see that in John one, and that in in Genesis one, we see that the spirit is over all the seas. So so it's the Father who almost speaks creation into it. He, he does. He speaks creation into existence through through the sun, and it's the Holy Spirit who forms all of the universe. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, but how, how Mike can the gospel, how, how does it often get conflated? Right? So um, this is a quote from, from Barrett, the gospel constitute even creates the Trinity. That's how we see, things conflate. So these are two statements that are kind of opposed to one another that are, that sometimes can be said as though they mean the same thing. So what's the difference here? Do you think? Mike, you there? The, the difference is, uh, I, cause I've tried to kind of how I would explain this, think it through the, the difference is starting point. Okay, we start with the gospel, and so therefore we, we define God by the gospel, and so actually turn God into the gospel. So that's what defines him. So we read the gospel back into the Trinity, rather than we see the Trinity working itself out in the gospel. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a little bit more about this here in a second when we get to the next slide. Which it's is almost... It's almost like when we define someone by what they do rather than who they are. Right, right. Um, and we should seek to know God and who he is in and of himself. So, so we're not just looking to know God because of what he's done or will do, but we're seeking to know God because he's worth knowing. Mm -hmm. Right? Like he's worth knowing no matter what. And, and the ultimate and most important question that I think – plagues all of us is we have to answer, uh, is there a God and who, and if we believe that there is a God, who is it? Mm -hmm. Because now you're going to order your life around those, how you answer those two questions. And, and they themselves, however you, you answer that are going to have subsequent, subsequent questions after that. Okay. I don't believe there's a God. Well, if you don't believe that there's a God, then now you're going to have a lot of ethical questions after that. Well, how do we, how do we conceive of ethics, right? If, if there is no God, because if there's no God, then can there be a moral absolute? Um, so, but we believe that there is a God, right? And we believe that, you know, God through Jesus Christ. Well, then is it not worth just knowing Jesus Christ in and of himself for the sake, you know, to pursue Jesus, to pursue, to know him just for the sake of knowing God, and not not for what he does, although knowing what he does helps reveal who he is. He is who he is, no matter if he did those actions anyway. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Yeah. Right. If In order for there to be a gospel, God needed to exist and make it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... We want to avoid conflation. So let's talk about imminent trinity and economic trinity. Mike, you, you mind just unpacking this a little bit for us? So the imminent trinity refers to who or our triune God is in eternity, apart from the created order, also known as the 
ontological trinity. And so basically this is who God is in and of in and of himself, as we kind of said before. Um, it is who he is regardless of what he does or thinks or says. It is his being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, he's the great I am regardless if we ever knew who he who he is. Right, so he does, not, he does not exist because we define him. He is right, right. It's, it's like avoiding the you know I think therefore I am. You know God doesn't exist just because I think he does. Right, right. So the well, let, let's go on to economic trade. Explain that here for a moment. The economic economic or economic trinity refers to how this triune God acts towards the created order. It describes the triune God's external operations in creation, providence, and redemption. And so the economic, I like to try to define it like economy is how the culture or the, the, the government or the society works, how it functions, what it does in pr the pragmatic, what it does in life. And so the economic trinity is what the imminent trinity does how you see it function how you see him work i didn't mean to say it how you see him function how you see him work how you see him express himself how how he interacts with his created order mm -hmm. well it's you know it's important because one of one of it's important to make these distinctions because there there is a movement of folks who believe that the they read the economic trinity back into the imminent trinity, meaning they believe that the son is the son because he was sent by the father. Um, instead, the son is the son because he's been eternally generated. He's the son because he's the son. Um, it's not because he was sent by the father, though he was eternally Eternally meaning he's never not existed. Uh, he's eternally generated, just like the Holy Spirit is eternally spirated. Right. So, like, God the Father did not sire the Son. He did not, like, a piece of God didn't all of a sudden get ripped off and as equal God and be sent, you know, to, to earth to mm -hmm. atone for our sins. Right. He's always been there, always been part of the Godhead, always been existed as the son he didn't become <laughs> you know something he always has been mm -hmm. i mean he did become a servant you know mm -hmm. we'll eventually get into that when we talk about philippians but that's right? economic but that's, that's again yeah, that's exactly that's the economic but mm -hmm. yeah. so there there's a latin term two latin terms uh ad intra and ad extra meaning that which is inside and that which is outside so um, ad extra is like the economic trinity. Ad intra is like the imminent trinity. So when when Jesus becomes uh, a servant, uh, that that's speaking to his ad extra. That is part of uh, that's attributed to him as part of his work or mission as the Son incarnate. Right. That doesn't make him the Son. It's part of what the Son does. Yeah. So so you it, the re. It's like this, Mike. The the son is the son because he was eternally generated. And because he was eternally generated, he was sent by the Father um, in, uh, through the incarnation. The incarnation does not make him the son, just like it does not make him eternally generated. So uh, the, the, the imminent affects the economic. The economic reveals the imminent, but does not change the imminent aspect mm -hmm. of the Trinity. So can you define a bit more what you mean by he's generated? Uh, because sometimes when someone might think generated, they might think like generation, like you generate, you create something. Yeah. That's so, not really what we're talking about. Yeah. So we'll get, we'll get into this a little bit more. Maybe, maybe we'll cover that more next week. I mean, is okay. that, is that sure. what we had agreed to? I'm trying to look, um, trying to look forward here um so i think next week we're going to talk about oneness mm -hmm. meaning the, the 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 unity of god um yeah but then after that i think we're going to talk about the begottenness of of the son and the spiration of the spirit but 
eternal so generation means that so eternal generation is the belief that uh, the son proceeds from the father. Okay, so so the son proceeds he 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 proceeds from the father, but is of the same essence. Uh, meaning, there is no distinction in the essence of God. There is a distinction in the personhood, and that is how God is not only revealed to us, but how he, he acts in the world. So, some would suggest that there is a time in which the Son did not exist. Mm-hmm. But eternal generation is the doctrine that says there has never been a time in which the Son never existed. There has never been a time in which the Spirit never existed. And in fact, if you, if you look at John 1, I'm going to turn to it now. Um, so it, it says, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. So, so if we if we believe the scriptures and we read those first three verses in John one, what we understand is that nothing has been created apart from Christ, apart from things being created through Him. So, Mike, if if the Son was a created being, and then nothing was created apart from the Son. That kind of that logic kind of falls flat, doesn't it? You know, those are two competing ideas. So you either have to reject the word of God uh, as being true, or you have to, you know, repent of the belief that Jesus was created, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. Just wanted to make sense that followed. Yes. Right, make sure that followed. All right. Um, looks like we've lost most of our viewers. So. Yeah. Maybe we got too deep. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So Nathaniel's probably writing sharp, sharply worded uh, letters to our uh, ministerial committees. So, <laughs> uh, so, so that kind of, that brings us to the conclusion of, of this. Week. We're really just trying to do this in bite-sized pieces. Uh, if you have questions, we're, we're happy to answer them as we, as we go through this, but I'm hoping that most of your questions, like if they're not answered, Today or next week, that we'll be able to go through and, and answer them as we as we go through. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. I think that's it, Mike. Okay. Hey, I have an unrelated Trinity question that I've been meaning to ask you for a while. Okay. Well, at least since April twenty seventh. April twenty It was something you posted on your Facebook. Uh, you made a statement and you posted a video. These TikTok pastors need to put down their phones and pick up their Bibles and systematic theologies. And it's this uh, guy with a red pen and a mug um, refuting this guy. This guy that uh, this guy that claims that God is non-binary, is God is queer, yada yada yada. And so I wasn't quite sure who you were mad at. Were you mad at both of them, or the non-binary guy, or the bald pastor guy? What are you talking about, man? On your Facebook page. Red Facebook Pen Logic page. with Mr. B. Yeah, Mr. B is a beast, man. You don't know you don't know Mr. B? Oh no, I love him. I wasn't quite sure if you were annoyed with him, like telling him to put down his phone and pick up your Bible. Uh no, man. I mean he's doing the Lord's work. He's trying to That's what I thought, because I'm like I'm yeah. listening to this and I'm like, he he's gotta be talking about the non binary guy. Well, here's the thing. It, the, my frustration with, with the TikTok folks, right? So, so I'm actually looking at this video now. I just pulled it up, and uh, the the problem is that they use powerful methods of persuasion that are built on faulty logic, but just sound really convincing. So, like if so, if your kid, um, or even if you're an adult and you're swiping through TikTok, and and these things pop up because you because of the algorithms, because of tracking and people, you know, the, the app knows that you're a Christian or whatnot. 
So you're not like trying to feed these things into your into your feed. Just because someone says they're a Christian doesn't mean they are, right? Like we we learned that Mike, you're going through first through third John. That is clear as day, right? Um, just because something has the label of Jesus or Christian doesn't mean that it is. Right. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not even saying that from like a super fundamentalist perspective. Oh, if you don't think the, the way we do, then, then you're wrong. But like the foundation that he's building, the logic that he's using is so inherently flawed because he's saying, well, God is non-binary because he has no gender. Well, God's a genderless being. That doesn't mean that he's non-binary. That doesn't mean he's that doesn't mean he's LGBTQ. And by the way, Jesus was a Jesus is a man, right? So, like, so to say God as a whole has no gender is, is partly correct. Um, sorry, Nathaniel. Oh, okay, Nathaniel messaged us, so I'm getting distracted by that. Um, it, it, and now he's calling you, apparently. So, <laughs> um, the I'd have to rewatch the video to to remember all the inconsistencies of what he was saying. But that was one that like like really stood out to me. Was like to, you're attributing uh you're attributing your own like the 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 nature of man, and you're trying to put that on God. And God is is a being that is totally different from all other beings right he's uncreated he he he's self-sustaining and you know the you know the, the way that god counts time the way he thinks about things is so different than the way that we do and this guy's going to have so much influ- so much influence because he's saying things that are going to appeal to a, a largely liberal audience that are going to share this kind of stuff all the time, and, and not only liberal politically but liberal theologically, um, because it's it feels good. Oh yeah, you know, like listen, man, I I don't want LGBTQ people to feel uh, like excluded from society or anything like that. Like I, I want people to feel warm and welcome. But if if we die on the hill of making people feel warm and welcome in their sin, then what we're doing is we're condemning them to uh, to destruction and in a life tormented by their own by their own sin. So, you know, it it sounds good, but man, it's it's heresy. It's heresy. And if this were the 16th century, we'd burn them at the stake. Mike, your mic's still off. Absolutely. You're right. I agree yeah. with you. Except I probably, just like I wouldn't protest someone's house, I probably wouldn't show up to the the burning, you know, burning at the stake. You wouldn't? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You want to bring any s'mores? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. What you got on tap for the rest of the week, Mike? Uh, I mean, working on my sermon, you know, helping coach my kids, you know, baseball, t-ball teams. I have to give someone a ride to the grocery store this week because his normal, we, we as a church need to figure out a way to get him his groceries each week. Mm-hmm. And he wants to do it himself, but he doesn't drive anymore. And, and, uh, that's easier said than done in ministry. But you know what, man? That's the Lord's work, and I mean that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it, but I would argue, and I'm happy to do it. But it's also people are missing out on a great opportunity to serve the Lord in that as well. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You should have. Uh, there are some people from your church that, that listen to this. Uh, I know your secretary does, or administrative assistant, what, whatever you guys refer to her as. Um, man, the church should be should be banging at the door trying to take this guy out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember the one of the coolest moments as a pastor that I've had is when COVID hit and we had a lot of older, you know, we have older folks in the in the congregation. And just like the amount of, of folks who were younger and like we encourage, like, hey, if you're younger, reach out to people in the church or your neighbors or whoever and see if they need help getting groceries, like pick it up for them and then drop it off at their house. 
Mm-hmm. And hey, if you need like if there if you need money or need something like that, let us know and we'll figure out a way to pay for it. You know? Yeah. Um, but but now we're getting back to normal and so everyone's super busy. Yeah. Well, you know what, man? I don't think we're ever too busy to help people. I agree. Uh, and especially in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So so we'll see how so we'll see how that works out. Yeah. Hey, just tell you what you should try this, Mike. Tell your deacons, hey, if uh, you guys can't do it, that's cool. I'll run groceries for everybody, but I don't know if I'll be able to preach this weekend because I'll be, uh, you know, I just won't have the time. Mm-hmm. And see what happens. Maybe they'll be like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's a dangerous game to play, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So cool, man. Well, let's, uh, next week we will um, start looking at – first off, we'll read what, what Nathaniel said and told us how we could do better. Um, um, simplify. That's basically what I get. Simplify. Don't start so so deep in the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, like I find – I know these are deep things, but what, I, what I've discovered in my study of the Trinity, and I now have probably read maybe two dozen books on the Trinity or asked – or certain persons of the Trinity, is – the more you talk about God, the more you talk about the Trinity, the more you study, the more you're going to learn, and the more you're going to realize you don't know. Mm-hmm. So the we should be inquisitive and we should grow, and it's kind of a spiral in learning. You know, you'll learn more and more as you as you study. So mm-hmm. um, this is not at all meant to be a master class. That's for sure, because we're not the folks for that. <laughs> if you want a master class, go listen to uh, Matt Barrett's podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So he, it's called the Credo Podcast, I believe. Mm. So, yeah. Cool, man. Well, you guys have a good week. And uh, we'll see you next week. Peace.